great to see you all and uh, thank you for having a visiting speaker on your Sunday Zoom. That's uh, probably a new experience that lots of us are going to have uh, in the times to come. I'm in Shropshire in Shrewsbury. I've been, I was 20 years leading Barnabas Community Church until 2014. I head up the national initiative called Jubilee Plus that was started by New Frontiers about 10 years ago to help develop capacity and social action in churches. And I head up the Christ Central training programs uh, for the Christ Central team. My wife is Jane. I've got three adult daughters who are all married and various grandchildren I'm busy with lots of projects. So great to see you folks. And, and the topic that Caleb's given me this morning is um, New Testament local church leadership. And it's uh, obviously we're leading into um, that seminar that's been mentioned. Um, so there's a connection between these two. Um, but I'm just going to uh, kick off with this um, overview talk, really, um, by thinking about uh, local churches in, in the New Testament. How were they led? How was a local church led in the New Testament? This is a really interesting and um, important question. Um, so uh, the first clue that I want to give you, I've got a few snapshots I just want to share with you from the New Testament, actually. And the first clue comes from the Jerusalem church at the very beginning. You probably remember a very large church, day of Pentecost, all the apostles were present. So they were the de facto leaders of that church. But quite quickly, they had to sort out the fact that it was growing so quickly and there was a problem with the daily distribution of food referred to in Acts chapter 6. You probably remember that. Widows of two different um, sub-ethnic groups were sort of uh, arguing about whether the, there was enough food being distributed to everyone. So they appointed seven men to delegate this function of uh, organizing this program, leading the church through that. Um, uh, and they, they handed over that responsibility. Now, that gives us an interesting clue, because even in the Jerusalem church at the very beginning, you've got your uh, leaders who are responsible for the sort of oversight of the church if you like that was the apostles then they were preaching and um and, and motivating the church and moving it on um and then they had people they appointed fairly quickly um who actually were leaders in their own right to deal with particular aspects of church life more effectively than that they could do themselves that's a very very interesting clue which which happened almost at the very beginning of the life of the church. And I'm just going to give you three snapshots from different texts from Paul to give you a kind of a clue of how the local church leadership fun function. First of all, we're going to go to Philippians chapter one, and we've got a couple of verses here, and I think they're going to come up on the screen. Um, now, Philippians was a mature, secure church. This was later on in Paul's ministry. He was in prison at the time. Um, and he wrote these very interesting words, which we often just pass over without thinking about it. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's a fairly straightforward statement, isn't it? But just as we pass through these uh, phrases, we notice something interesting. Here was a mature and secure church. We know that from the context. And this mature and secure church was greeted in three different categories. All the people of God, the whole membership of the church were greeted. The overseers, that's another word for elders, we'll come to that in a moment, were greeted. 
and another interesting group, the deacons. So we've got two groups of official leaders established in Philippi, along with the members who between them have uh, developed a mature and secure and healthy and outward looking church. Interesting. So this seems to be like a normal thing uh, in, in the New Testament. Churches weren't led by one person. They were led by a team. Those teams were called overseers or elders and one or two other names we'll come to in a minute. But it's clear that Paul also had other officials, other leaders appointed who could be formally identified in the churches. Now, as he planted churches, and here's my second uh, little snapshot for you, as he planted churches and they were going right from the very beginning of the process, his first priority in any church that he planted, and he spent uh, many years planting churches, was to establish elders in each church. Have a look at Acts 14 verse 23 just coming up on the screen. This is the very first missionary journey. Paul's been around this particular area for a few months and he's coming back to some churches he's just established and it says Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. So one, of, one dimension of Paul's ministry was appointing elders for them, with them, in consultation with them. Paul and Barnabas came, tried to identify the people. There were men in this particular case. We'll come back to that issue in, in, in a moment. And these men were given the responsibility of eldership. So that was his um, passion that he should create uh, the, the security of having an eldership in a church from the from almost the very beginning that was his desire so there's another snapshot here's another one my third one and we can add all the implications of this together uh, in just a moment romans 16 verses 1 and 2 i commend to you our sister phoebe a deacon of the church in Kencrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. Ah, oh, now here's an interesting snapshot. Suddenly we see in this, uh, in this passage in Romans 16, this lady Phoebe appears. What's the background? What's going on here? She's described as a deacon. I've already said that Paul uh, wanted to establish both elders and deacons in, in, in every church. So what's going on here? Paul is at this particular point when he writes this, almost certainly in the Greek city of Corinth, which is very close to the Greek city of Kencrea mentioned here. Very close. And he's writing this enormous letter, Romans, one of the longest letters ever written in the ancient world, by the way. Um, and it appears that he's sending this to the church in Rome and that Phoebe is the person responsible for taking the letter to Rome. Therefore, he's saying to the Romans, receive her in a way that is worthy of his people. She's coming to you. She's got the letter with her. Please receive her. She's been a benefactor. That probably means she had some wealth and she supported people financially or with hospitality. 
But also the interesting thing about Phoebe is she's a deacon. So she's an official, she's an officer, she's an appointed leader within the church of Kincrea. Now this information just comes to us in passing. Paul isn't teaching about leadership at this point. He's just identifying the person who he's given this responsibility and she brings the letter safely to Rome. So through these snapshots and others that we could give, we can say um, local church leadership in the New Testament had elders and it had deacons. Now we haven't yet defined what those two functions are. We'll come to that in a moment. And Paul later on uh, in his teaching identifies uh, what sort of character you need for elders and deacons. That comes in 1 Timothy 3, notably, uh, which we're not going to go into in detail now. But I will just point out that in verse 15 of 1 Timothy 3, he says that we need to make these appointments in order that people know how to conduct themselves in the household of God or the family of God. Now here, this is a very important clue as to how Paul and the apostles thought about local church leadership. They did not think about the church as a business or a public institution or a school or the civil service or a government agency or anything like that. Those kind of institutions we're familiar with. No, Paul thought of the church as a family. Now that's the most profound fundamental insight from the New Testament that helps us to understand what is the character of leadership and what is the character of the relationship between people in that institution. You see, we're here gathered in York Gateway today, not because we've written, we've signed a contract or because we're going through an educational process or because we're working for the government or because we're trying to get a profit for our business. We're here because we are, whether we realize it or not, and most of us most certainly do realize this, we We've joined a family. And so these elders and deacons are representative of some of those family leadership relationships. That's one key insight. Um, that's why we're brothers and sisters. So moving on, um, what about these particular roles? We use the names, but what do we mean by the names? That, of course, is something that uh, is central to um, really getting to grips with what we're talking about here. So let's start with the word elder. Now it so happens that there's a variety of different words in the New Testament used for elders. One of them is this word overseer that we saw in Philippians 1 verse 1. And there are several others. Let me just give you a few of them and then I'll give you a definition of the primary function. Overseers uh, the, the, the idea here is protecting from danger and encouraging life. Sometimes leaders, they're called shepherds. Well, that uh, speaks about pastoral care. Sometimes they're called teachers. Well, that speaks obviously about teaching the Bible and teaching the truth and teaching the gospel. Sometimes they're just called generically leaders. And sometimes they're called by the term we commonly use elders, which means taking responsibility and leadership in a community. So I define eldership just in its simplest terms with the following phrase. And this is key, leading through guardianship. You see, an elder isn't a person who does all the preaching, does all the pastoral work, does all the management, does any particular function uniquely because other people can share in those functions, although they need to be gifted at many of them. But an elder 
is a person I would understand who leads through guardianship. What are they guarding? They're guarding the gospel. They're guarding the doctrine of the church. They're guarding the flock. They're guarding uh, from danger. There's a guardianship role implied um, comparable to the role of guarding or protecting a family. Bearing in mind family is the primary concept. So guardianship, sorry, leading through guardianship. Now we come to the second role, the other crucial role in a church, the role of a deacon. We don't formally use that word in many of our New Frontiers churches or Christ Central churches, though some churches have started appointing deacons formally. You may be aware of that happening in churches around. I've noticed it. But what is the function of a deacon? Now, you have to get out of your mind experiences you may have had in other denominational contexts where the deacons might be a little committee who organize the building or the finances or who do battle with a pastor because there's a power battle going on in the church. Forget all that um, uh, and go. let's go back to a kind of more scriptural definition. The, the concept of deacon means a servant. That's the sort of central word that we need to think about. And I would describe deacons as leading through creative service. And I think we've got a slide maybe with those two definitions on, which we'll put up for just, an, just a moment. So these are my working definitions of these functions. So if we take the second one, leading through creative service, You'll notice here that a deacon isn't someone who just does things. They actually have a leadership capacity within themselves and they have a particular function in a church, a defined function where they are the key leaders. They are given lots of responsibility to get on and develop things. And it's clear in the New Testament that men were appointed into eldership and women and men were appointed into the role of deacons. Now, the question as to whether that was just a cultural thing or whether that's based on any foundational spiritual truth is the question that I'm going to address um, amongst others when we have our time together. So we, we're not going to go into that now, but you're very welcome to come and discuss that more fully then. My argument would be that it's not just culture. There's a foundational argument that Paul uses that relates to the concept of the family. However, what we have as we look across the New Testament is a view of churches where a team of elders is essential for the healthy functioning of the church with a primary, primary responsibility of leading through guardianship, I would say. Um, and then the church will be healthy if there are appointed leaders who we might call deacons. In my church, we use the concept of deacons, but we don't use the name. We don't have to use the name. We don't even have to use the name elders. It's the concept that matters. But you need to, if the more you have appointed leaders who have clear responsibilities and whose leadership gifts can be developed in that area, men and women in the church, paid or unpaid, that's not really the criterion, um, the more you can get things done. That's what happens in Acts chapter 6, the apostles were getting really stuck with a problem. They just didn't have enough time or skill to deal with the daily distribution of food and all the tensions pastorally that were going on behind the scenes. They delegated the function and people were much happier.
this was team leadership with two two dimensions of leadership two teams if you like functioning together so this is the kind of picture i want to paint for you this morning as the paradigm of leadership in the new testament um, which uh, is one that Caleb wants to, us to reflect on and think about uh, this morning and at this particular time in the life of your church and at that seminar that we're going to have in a couple of weeks' time. So let's just think, as I conclude, I want to just think and take a little bit of a step back from here and uh, just, just say a couple of things in conclusion. First of all, just to reinforce that point, the church doesn't function like a business or a public institution or a government institution. It's a, essentially it's a family relationship. And that key dimension is uh, essential to the well-being of a church. And there are many aspects of that family relationship that have been illustrated amply by our time together this morning. There are the children uh, in the background. Um, there's the participation of brothers and sisters in spiritual gifts. There's this concept of a shared life, pastoral care for one another, pastoral av availability of the pastoral team to pray for you, the importance of life groups. All these things that Caleb and others have been talking about this morning, they're all indicative of this family concept. And so the eldership role represents at a kind of subliminal and a supreme level, the fatherhood uh, within that family and that's a key thing to remember and also within a healthy church the concept of motherhood needs to be well developed and that's something that hasn't been talked about enough in our new frontiers family but something that i feel very strongly about that actually families need fatherhood and motherhood through formal roles and of course some female deacons might function in that way and through informal relationships that don't have any structure attached to them um, whereby fatherhood and motherhood nurtures and develops the church community. And so those are themes that we need to think about and talk about further as we seek to build strong churches in our age, in our generation. Now, I'm aware that, of course, there's a whole massive range of different views about all these things. And um, in any church, there are, there, there are different views. Um, but Caleb wanted me just to outline the, uh, the view that is foundational to Christ Central Churches and uh, the perspective that, uh, that I bring in, in the teaching opportunities that I have in the hope that this will be useful to you as you consider this subject and as your leadership teams develop within uh, Gateway Church uh, in the days to come. So thanks for listening been great to be with you live. I thoroughly enjoyed the whole service, by the way. I haven't just come here to speak. I've come here to worship and share your fellowship life together. And if you want to come and join on that Sunday evening, we can take the conversation to uh, a different level and look in more detail at some of the uh, issues surrounding uh, what I've spoken uh, about this morning. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Caleb, for the opportunity. And I'll hand right back to you now.